The following session of Radios and Tunnels contains a few choice expletives due to the passionate nature of the conversation. So, if you're easily offended by the occasional or perhaps a then by all means, adjust your listening expectations and all-around reception strategy for this particular session accordingly. So I'm a disciple of Dave Chappelle. I'm a part of the cult. Not that he has a cult following, it's not like an underground guy, but he is our cult leader. We will pretty much follow him anywhere he goes. What he says, how he says it, it almost always seems to resonate with me. There's things I disagree with, but not to the point where it makes me angry. Like, God, Dave has done me wrong this time. I've never felt that way about him. But I saw the huge backlash on the internet over his special Sticks and Stones before I actually watched it. Now, the last round of specials on Netflix, Equanimity and The Bird Revelation, both of those, you know, really ruffled some feathers, so to speak, pun intended. But it wasn't like Sticks and Stones has been. People are flipping out over it. In fact, when I started to watch it with my wife, she made me turn it off after about 10 minutes because it was offending her. And she's a big Dave Chappelle fan. I've watched all of his specials with her. So I wanted to watch it and talk about it. And when I saw it, I was blown away. To me, it was the equivalent to watching a guy set himself on fire. Like he was challenging you to be offended and then do something about it. But it was done in typical Dave fashion. And even when the jokes are offensive, he says them in a way where you can't help but laugh. And to me, whenever I engage with his material, it always makes me think about a lot of different things. So I wanted to do a podcast on it. This podcast right here, Radios and Tunnels. I'm Jeff Skin Wade, and we talk about a lot of different things. We bring guests on to do it. And this week, I brought on comedian Paul Varghese, who has opened for Dave Chappelle on numerous occasions. I really love his work. He's a friend. I love talking to him. And we dove in head first to break down Dave Chappelle's Sticks and Stones. So, Paul, with Sticks and Stones, I'm assuming you've seen the vast majority of Dave's stuff. Yes. How you've opened for him. Yeah. A bunch, or was it? I saw you at the House of Blues open for him. Yeah, I, did, I did Dallas, and then the very next day we did Austin, uh-huh. which was one of the things that back in 2013 went kind of internet viral yep. because he got heckled there, which I was there. He didn't get heckled, but he literally came in with like. No material. He was just riffing to the crowd. Which I loved at that time. Yeah, because, well, remember when you were were at the Dallas House of Blues? Yeah, it it was announced on Sunday night, and you had to buy tickets in 10 minutes, and then he hit the stage Monday night. Yeah, it was sold out in like, yeah, 30 minutes, whatever. I got the call that morning on Monday. I was in Tucson, Arizona, and they were like, hey, do you want to fly down to open for Chappelle? It doesn't pay that much, but I was like, okay. So I was supposed to be in New Mexico that night, and I bought like a Delta flight. It was $1,000 to fly one way from Delta like on two hours notice and it's like it's like this so weird serendipitous thing where we're in the plane and I'm sitting there and this guy next to me is like you look stressed and I was like man I'm about to do this and he was like well and he gave me like this whole pep talk and I was like if you want to come to the show you can I'll sneak you in and he showed up I never saw the guy again never texted me again so wait you snuck in random plane flight Delta passenger dude that's that's the it's the brown in me like I I, I sneak people past security and that's that's why we're in the mess that we're in right now oh my god that's so great so did you have any sort of relationship with Dave or his people or how did that even happen so that was this is back well and well, in Dallas and all that stuff, I, mean, I have an okay name as a comic here. So people are just like, hey, we want to impress him. Let's bring the guy that we know can be nice and be cool with him and right. and do his thing. And so they, they yeah, I did, went up there 35 minutes, whatever, before you, you were at the show. Yeah, I saw you. Um, it was a great I, set. I literally flew in. <clears throat> and I, was, I landed 30 minutes before that set. My cousin picked me up. We come in, do the set. And Chappelle hadn't been in Dallas since 
probably 03 at that point. So like, I always say, I always compare it to like my grandfather. My grandfather's been dead in since 73. And every year that he's been dead, he just becomes like this godlike figure. Mm-hmm. The stories just get like Paul Bunyan size. Right. I think that's how Chappelle was. People couldn't believe he was there. I mean, you, you were there. Yeah. He just took a drag on a cigarette and they were screaming laughing. I'm like, yeah. what is this? Right. It's, it, and, he's, and that's part of like kind of what we want to talk about too. There's a lot of things to talk about, but he has attained cult-like status, but that has been in the crosshairs the last couple years. And yeah. then it's totally been exacerbated by this latest uh, special Sticks and Stones on Netflix. And so I knew I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. And I was trying to think, who would be a great person to talk to about this? Like, hell, Paul knows how to put together a set. He's worked with Dave. He's done race humor, which I'm a huge fan of when it's done by people that know how to do it. Exactly. There's nuance. There's nuance to it. Right. And uh, and so just to give you the lay of the land, you know, me and my wife are both big fans. Mm -hmm. And we've turned it on. And she's kind of on her phone, kind of watching it, kind of not watching it. Okay. And then I had uh, my buddy KT, you know KT, our yeah. producer. He had texted me. He was like, bro, this Dave shit is wild. Okay. And I was like, okay. And I'd seen that, uh, you know, I hadn't really like gone and read articles, but you can just say now trending and here's all these people wildly yeah. overreacting to it. <laughs> yeah. So we're 10 minutes into it and we get to the Michael Jackson stuff. Okay. And my wife is like, can you turn this off? I can't do this. Now, this is someone who's a fan of Dave Chappelle. Okay. Like, we've, I can push the envelope with her on edgy stuff. Yeah. But that was too much for her. Now, okay. she was watching it half-assed. Okay. <laughs> but there was, uh, there was an element to it, and she really threw herself into that Finding Neverland stuff. I gotcha. But there was, she was like, you got to turn this off. I can't watch this. Yeah. And so I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll respect that. And I had okay. to go back and watch it on my own. Okay. And then I was like... There's so many layers and elements to this. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. So what is your initial reaction to seeing it, knowing, because I know that you'd seen some of the hype too. Yeah. S- seeing the whole special or, yeah. that, or that bit in particular? Let's start, let's start about the whole special. Uh, I loved it. Uh, it doesn't shock me. I mean, I've seen comics here in the city, and myself included, that say way more shocking and offensive things, but we don't have a big enough name to where anybody would care. I've said way more offensive stuff than he has up on stage, so none of it really shocked me, um, but I was kind of like her when I, when you initially told me about this. I had only seen clips that were on, spread on social media. So right. you see, you see him do a joke about the Michael Jackson thing, but you only see half of it. So you're like in your head, you're thinking the first thing is like, oh, you know what? This caption said, look at this insensitive joke about Michael Jackson. Right. So that's already in your head. That's the first filter you're watching it through. Right. And then you see like that line. You don't see any context of how he explains it and what he's saying because he. The whole special, he apologizes for everything he says. And you, he does that, that kind of what he thinks, that little kind of devilish drop my head, look my eyes up and smile like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm just kidding. And he'll do that thing where he runs. <laughs> the, the, only, the only thing I hated about I was offended by the fact that every, every punchline, he slapped his knee and ran to the back of the stage. Right. We always call that the Ron White whiskey indicator. When anytime Ron White wants you to laugh, he'll take a sip of whiskey. <laughs> okay. It's like the punchline indicator. <laughs> right, That's right. Like the, and he did It's that. his laugh track. Yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. So you can't help, you're like conditioned to do that. Yeah. And uh, I know, there, I mean, there's a couple of comics, big name comics that when they say something that they want the crowd to laugh at, they'll slap their knee. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I can't believe I said that. I'm like, Dave, you know, you knew what you were going to say. Right. But he's doing that because he feels that they're going to turn on him. Yeah. You know? And that's, that he's, to me was sort of the whole tone of everything was yeah. he's playing this up as you're about to get me. Because one of the things that happened with his, la- uh, was it Equanimity and yeah. I forgot the name of the other one. They all sound like Outcast albums, right? 
What's that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I know you're, you're an old hip-hop head yeah. like me. Yeah. I didn't realize, I saw it at the end of this one, I don't know how long he's been doing the X-Clan Vanglorious. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is protected yeah. by the red. Yeah. It's got that great logo. Yeah. And he says yeah. Crossroads, so the C hits the logo. Yeah. If you're not an old hip-hop fan of the early 90s, late 80s stuff, you're really confused by what we're this talking about. presented to you by the red, yeah, sponsored by the red, what was it? Red, white, the red, the black, and the, the green. green. Yeah, yeah. And it's uh, with this the great, key, sissy, yeah. with a key, a sissy. It's yeah. a great group X clan from the late eighties, early nineties. <laughs> but, um, but that to me, that was very much of, he went into it like, Hey, I'm going to piss you all off and you're going to come get me. So I'm ready to run from it. Yeah. He, you know, he's kind of positioned himself with the backlash, especially when he hit on it. The, the trans jokes he dropped last time. Yeah. That was the first time I remember people from whatever you want to say, the left or people that normally completely has his back kind yeah. of turning on him a little bit. Yeah. But also, like, like I saw CK when he was here in July. Did you? How'd that go? Oh, it was awesome. I loved it. But I'm also able to separate the person from the art. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I mean, you've told me yourself that that Q-Tip is not the nicest person to meet. But you don't want to see how the sausage is made. Yeah, you know. I yeah, I enjoy I enjoy low end theory. I know every lyric on it. Right. So, but I don't. I, I don't have to, I don't mix those. Yeah. So with CK, I was like, well, they're like, well, he needs to be more authentic in how he apologizes because you know, I, mean, I can't say what he says, but he does a three line apology, not even apology. He just says it like Louis CK would apologize. And then he goes into his act. I'm like, I'm not condoning what he did, but I'm not encouraged by it. I'm like, that set is a great set. If yeah. that was anybody else's set, it would be a great set. And so with Chappelle, I mean, it's, I don't know how to explain it, but like, I don't know. I don't think he's trying to do any of that stuff on purpose, but he's also definitely trying to be more likable than CK is because mm-hmm. he kind of throws CK under the bus a little bit. Yeah, I mean? while, while saying <laughs> you know, said like, that he yeah, died in a horrible uh, masturbation, masturbation accident. accident. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like, like I, I kind of want to hear Chris Rock's version of Louis CK because they're best friends. I right. Mean, they write together. Right. But I think even Chris, I mean, Tambourine came out. Chris didn't bring it up. I think that happened around the same time, right? I haven't seen Chris's new, newest stuff. So I saw him at Windstar, which oh, cool. I don't like that venue for stand-up. It feels like I'm in a like I'm in a hotel ballroom. Uh, okay, so yeah, that it's that. So I did, I was trying to think of commands. I did see, uh, uh, oh man, I'm blanking on his name now. What do he look like? Uh, no, the, the <laughs> dude, a- dude from 30 Rock at Saturday Night Live. Tracy Morgan. Yes, thank you. I saw Tracy Morgan there, okay. and it was great. But he sat uh, in a chair. Yeah, of course. Because of been been through the accident and all <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, I but think I- that's a new thing. Like since Cosby can't perform anymore, uh, Tracy Morgan gets in a bus accident, so he has to sit in a chair. Now Kevin Hart's in traction. <laughs> I'm like, you guys just all want to sit on stools that Cosby vacated. I think right. that's what it is. And it's so interesting too because Kevin Hart got brought up in the special, and Louis C.K. got brought up in this special. So, so and- there, there's always a pet peeve of kind of like. I hate when people talk, comedians talk about comedy, mm-hmm. you know, like right. as, as a joke. Because as much as Kevin Hart would be like, hey, that's great, it's still, why are you bringing me up in your special? Yeah. I don't bring you up in mine. Right. Um, but I, also, you got to realize that, like, I think people take fame, they look at fame as quality. You know what I mean? Like, I like the special, but it's not the greatest of all time. Okay, so that, that's another element to, the, uh, element to this that I was thinking about about the way in which I relate to this material. Yeah. And you can relate to this material because you've uh, accrued some modicum of fame, whatever yeah. you want to call yeah. it, recognizability, Ounce. those sorts of <laughs> things. But, you know, I'm locally... Rec- like, my kids always go, are you famous? I'm like, no, I'm locally recognizable yeah. because yeah, exactly. of the job that I have. Yeah. But what that does do is it does put a target on me. Of course. And so I kind of feel like I can relate to this material on a much, much smaller level. Yeah. But there's an element to it of... 
where I do operate in a realm of if I say the wrong thing, I'm going to lose my Mavs gig and I'm going to lose my radio gig. Yeah. And I have principles that I feel strongly about, but am I willing to lose my car and my house over those principles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so... On a so maybe I'm um, over glorifying Dave here, okay. but I felt like there was an element to this of I'm going to go out there and I'm going to talk about canceling and how ridiculous it is, and then I'm going to go out there and see if I can get canceled. Well, I would agree with that if he didn't apologize for everything he's saying, because uh-huh. even when he did the LGBT thing, right? Because you know, again, I'd only seen a clip and read blogs and all the blogs. I mean, I think we all know this. If you say something negative on a blog, everybody clicks on it. Like yeah. I have a I have a comedian friend of mine who lives in New York. I don't know if we're friends, but whatever, uh, that I know that that writes for a clickbait site. So he writes under a female <laughs> pseudonym. It's it's weird, <laughs> but he makes so much money. Like there was an article that went viral about four or five years ago about uh, he, he uses some female pseudonym and it was like why you should never tip your waiter. I don't know if you saw that when I it didn't. went viral, but it service industry went crazy. It got like a million hits and everybody commenting, this person's such an asshole, blah, blah, blah. But every time they clicked on and shared it, he gets like a nickel. Are so, you, you serious? Know, yeah, they get money off. Just stuff, it's like clicking on a website. So he just, whatever he can stoke the fire with, and I think that's why how Jezebel and... You know, that's so a lot of those, insane. It's creepy, but he would he would told me he was told us like my, our job is to try to agitate people because the more YouTube clicks you get, the more you you know it's always like when it's like like you know this what's seeing stuff on YouTube is always like like today this morning I'm like the the Cowboys thing it was like shocked it was a it's like in caps caps lock shocked Dak Prescott did this it makes you want to click it if you're yeah right you know, and every click generates you know every hit gets more money for them and so I think with the backlash with Chappelle it's like if we say he's great who's going to click on that thing nobody cares that you're great yeah if the Cowboys are eight no and you say the Cowboys are a fake eight no right here's that, their fatal flaw yeah everybody clicks on that I mean I mean Deadspin's notorious for every year they do 10 reasons your team sucks mm-hmm. yeah, they do it right every, yeah they do it with the Patriots but it's like but I click on it I yeah mean, I'm, I'm contributing a nickel or a penny whatever it is please agitate me yeah but I think we also live in the era of like hyperbole where like we want, we want to live in this generation where, like, no, everything our generation does is way better than yours. He right. The, and honestly, I don't think we really have, like, there's so many great comics that just aren't famous enough that have way better specials. And that's not a knock on Dave. I mean, right. Dave is so, we're talking about the Joan Rivers thing when I used to work with her. They're, I've worked with pretty big name comics, but Joan and Dave are iconic. Yeah. I mean, it's a different level of fame. Right. I've worked with, you know, Fluffy, Gabriel Iglesias, Angel, mm-hmm. all these people who were, they're on the Forbes list. They're making. They're not that famous. That, like the Joan Rivers level of famous is like I've never seen anything like it. She, yeah, she can't go anywhere. Uh, You're a little bit younger than me, but I mean, I know who Joan Rivers was when I was like nine years old. If you, if she used to go on Carson all the time. If you saw her set, I, w- I would always say that. I said this to her. It's like if anybody ever live tweeted your set or even video recorded your set, she would have been gone. It's the most. And look, I'm 18 years in. I'm not sensitive to anything. I've heard everything. I have the most offensive material ever. If I want to do it. Um. It's the most offensive set I've ever seen. And wow. I'm not offended. Yeah. It's just, oh, that, if but, that... Okay, that's ultimately kind of what this is about, is the yeah, idea yeah. on some level, yeah. you know, you project your own meaning or uh, attach your own meaning to things, but there's a lot of this of, hey, we're doing comedy, right? Yeah. Like, you're going to try to go get someone canceled or taken off or whatever because the joke is not to your sensibility. But again, he apologizes mm-hmm. for it, and, but people are seeing what I saw initially. I saw clips without the context of of what was said. Right. So I can see why they would get mad and immediately rush to judgment. It's like when somebody t- 
tunes into your show, two minutes in, you're halfway through something, they hear one line, and then all of a sudden you see the, you oh, see yeah. the text machine. I can't tell you how many people said, it's this. I was like, yeah, I said that four minutes ago, exactly. you moron. Exactly. Why are you yelling at me right now? <laughs> so with Joan Rivers, she doesn't apologize for any of it. Like, she, I, I can't say it, but this is literally how she opens her set. She walks up and she goes... She goes, hi, everybody goes crazy. And she goes, okay, let's just get this out the way. And she goes through every single racial and gender slur, every single one, like hard R's. Like she's hitting the consonants hard. I mean, she just does it. Place goes nuts. Okay? Yeah. Nuts. But I know, she, I know her. So, I mean, I well, knew her, but she doesn't mean it. Yeah. But they came for that, but she's literally, she doesn't apologize and say, I'm sorry. I didn't say at the end, we should all love each other. We all, there's no message. She's like, how much can I pitch? Like just... I mean, she's making fun of the people in the audience. Like, okay, so and then, and Dave does that at the beginning too. Remember his two imitations? Oh, yeah, yeah, the second imitation. And the you. second imitation is I'm yeah. imitating you trying to ruin me. Yeah, because he, he even talks. Yeah, when we does touch the Netflix crowd, you clicked on my face. Right. Which you asked for this. Which doesn't? Don't you think that part of that is like he that really did hurt his feelings that people were bashing him? Absolutely. Yeah. Because uh, so I'll say this, and I always try to I always try to be as analytical and removed as these from these things I can be because yeah. I am a middle class white male okay. heterosexual white male raised as a Christian so I am the very opposite of whatever otherness is yeah so whenever and I engage with a lot of this material because I grew up in the rap world yeah, and you know the kind of people that I yeah. admire exist outside of that so I always try to be as you know hey this is not coming from my perspective so I need to be aware of these kinds of things yeah um, but with with you know Chappelle, I feel like because I, I get I get upset by this too when I get someone says, "Well, you're a racist." I'm like, "Dude, no, I'm not. I'm like yeah. making strong efforts to not be racist." However, I realized how I was raised, yeah. And so, whatever my base instincts are, I'm constantly examining those things. And so, when Chappelle came under fire yeah. a couple of years ago, he's like, "Do you not realize what I've done?" Yeah. Like, do you not realize my track record? Yeah. And suddenly I'm the scorn of this? Like, yeah. you guys are turning your targets on me? There's other people you can turn your targets on that deserve to yeah. be in that scope. I do not. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think he got hurt his feelings over that. Yeah. It's funny because you see it. You're like, I think he's he's trying to act like it didn't. But it obviously did if, it's, if it made it into his special. I almost think that's what his special is about. Yeah, and the, but the ironic thing is... Sticks and stones. The thing is called Sticks and Stones. I did love how he opened it because I loved him, you know, kind of half-singing Prince. Right. Um, about Judgment Day. The song about Judgment Day. Yeah, yeah exactly. About, right? About, it's not an accident. Like he wants to, uh, yeah, escape his destruction, but he doesn't really want to leave, or I forgot the name of the... Yeah. I forgot the, the exact lyrics in 1999, but um, the ironic thing is, because I, you know, our social media is like, you forget that like, Maybe 1% of the world is on social media. Like, for us, it's our world. We right. Think, oh, this is the opinion of the masses. Oh, and it's so immediate. Yeah. And, and no, that's not really like, I don't know what the scope of people, what people really think about stuff. But the comics are becoming, ironically, they don't even know this. Cause a lot of comes on Twitter. They're becoming the exact thing Chappelle was making fun of, which if you don't get his special, you're stupid. You don't know anything. You don't know comedy. I'm like, right. you're becoming exactly the cancel. You, maybe they don't have, maybe the people they're criticizing don't have anything you can cancel, but you're still turning this polarizing hate towards something like, people can disagree with you. It's fine. But look, Chappelle's not a bad dude. He's not a bad dude. And right. again, he apologizes for everything he says. It's different than like, like, I don't understand why, like, and I, and I like Anthony Jeselnik, but mm -hmm. he's not apologizing for what he says, and he says some really dark stuff. Right. But he's not under fire because he's not famous enough. Right. 
which is stupid. This is this is about uh, <laughs> people turning on their hero. Yeah, in a lot of ways. I, I, yeah, I, d- 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 and, and I'm sorry to interrupt okay. you, but so that bit he does uh, about gun violence in schools, yeah, and gun violence in general, right? Yeah. And then after the show, you know, makes its way to Netflix, he goes back to his hometown after that happens, that horrible weekend, and has this massive fundraiser that he fronts the money for. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but he's doing comedy about that and the hopelessness of that. Yeah. But But then he's not acting hopeless. He's trying to engage. Yeah. But that's unless Netflix puts that part on the special, nobody's going to know. Right. You know? Um, if you if you're listening and you don't know, Dave Chappelle put all of his money to do a Dayton. big thing in Dayton. Dayton yeah. Yes, yeah, and he and and bring all these people together. Yeah. And if you're watching his special, he's got this sort of funny distance of you know, well, hey son, if the shooter comes to school, you better duck because your daddy talks a lot of trash. They're coming after you. Yeah, he's he's self aware. Yeah, he's incredibly self aware. Um, I don't I don't I don't know if I I don't know if it's like I always remember this one CK line where he talked about the reason people are so mean on social media is because you don't have to see somebody's face. Right. And if you saw somebody's facial reactions when they said that, they, that you wouldn't say stuff like that. But we no. turned into like this. Again, it's, it's Cowboys-Eagles. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't be the middling you know, Minnesota Vikings. You're either on this side or that side. I've never had anybody ever, <laughs> ever, in doing this you know, publicly for you know, whatever it's been, 16, 17 years, I've never had anybody come up to me and say anything uh, even remotely critical to me. Yeah. There was one guy that I'd known for a long time, and we had a great debate. And then this is back in the message board days. Yeah. The next day, he went on the message board and said, man, I, I met Skin. He was actually a pretty good guy. I was surprised. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I've never had anybody come up and say the things they say yeah. on social media. It's made, ever. Me, it's made me paranoid because like, you know, I, when I took the lift here, the guy was like, Paul Varghese, how you doing? I was like, oh, what show did you see? <laughs> like, I instantly am waiting for him to say, like, I saw you when you were, like, trashed over at Twilight. Like, I'm waiting for that. But you're right. Nobody ever says it in public. It's when you post a show online and all of a sudden here come the random messages, like, I saw this dude eight years ago at the Granada and he was awful. I'm like, I don't need that. Right. And, and, I, and on Chappelle's level, it's times 50. You do, you, do you put a wall up? Are you okay with engaging with that? Does it hurt your feelings? I, I, so I think the very, when YouTube first went, like, big in 04, somebody like slammed me bad and i remember commenting back and i remember my buddy telling me he's like dude they think you live like on like a pedestal like you're in the taj mahal dude they don't (laughs) think you have time to even read the comments so the second you do that all of a sudden you're back like in a trailer in mesquite dude like they oh he's one of us so they don't they don't they don't think you're so what i sent that and he was like don't do it again and then like a week later, the guy writes an apology. Hey, I didn't know you were reading this. And right. so I try not to engage in it. But we're in this level of like trolling is like, it's like not considered bad. Yeah. Like, people are like, hey, I trolled Kanye West today. Like, right. why would you do that, dude? Like, why? Do- so I do not block anybody on Twitter. Okay. Unless they say so, something so overtly racist. Okay. Or like so extremely sexist. Yeah. That I'm like, I just don't want to see that. But what I do yeah. is I mute them. Okay. So I don't have to see it, but they yeah. don't get the satisfaction of yes, he blocked me. So it's like a dog just barking into the you know at the moon, just barking into the wind. It's like the last word thing kills me. I have to get the last word. Yeah, right. But you can't get right. the last word. Like because on stage, I mean, I get heckled a lot, especially the stuff I do. You haven't seen my trailer now, but it's, it's way edgier than it was before. I talk about police brutality and stuff, and I expect to get heckled up there, but I know how to handle a heckler. But online, like. You know, I, I remember posting this thing. Do you remember when Trump had like Kid Rock and like 
Kid, yes. Kid Rock and somebody else at the White House. Yes. And they're all looking over like these blueprints for something. <laughs> Do you remember that? Like, yes. the, I can't. It was Kid Rock and I can't remember who the other two people were. And all I made a meme, and it was like, he's like, "So where should the above ground pool go?" Right. Like, that's all I said. Like, <laughs> right. That I got flooded on Twitter. It went viral. Well, my version of viral, which is like a hundred retweets, whatever. But people going, "I just looked this guy up on YouTube. He's awful." Right, I got called like I got called. I remember I do it in a bit. I mentioned a bit now, but I got called a jungle bunny and stuff like this, and I made it into a joke now. Right, but it's like I just made a a dumb joke about above ground pools. Like, this is amazing to me that (laughs) you know we're to the and this is this is again we go back to canceling. Yeah, so I can't remember ever, and I've been watching it for forty years. I, I can't ever remember having a president engage with Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, dude, I remember, and it's bipartisan. Yeah. I remember, I, I'm old enough to remember, or at least seen clips as a young man of Chevy Chase doing Gerald Ford mm-hmm. and Jimmy Carter got killed mm-hmm. and Bill Clinton got killed and Ronald Reagan got killed and both George Bushes. This is bipartisan. Yeah. And, and, but it was kind of, it was, it is kind of funny. I mean, and look, political aside, they were scared to touch Obama. Now, Key, right. and, Key and Peele nailed Obama. Right. Now, Key and Peele was the better sketch show during during the Obama, the Obama years. They killed it. Yeah. Um, and they were scared to do it because Saturday Night Live, as they're just on the air at this point. To me, it's like this, they're not really bringing anything fresh. It's a placeholder. Yeah, it is. I mean, what else would you put there? Unless right. You, unless Vince McMahon brings back Saturday Night's main event, what are you, you know, what are you going to do? Right. There, uh, it's interesting that you said Vince McMahon there because I was thinking about this earlier, and that is uh, the Dice Clay era. Okay. Is there anything about that that you find redeeming? Uh, now, I, at the time, I was a teenage boy, yeah. so I thought it was genius. Okay. And then I go back and go, God, I was an idiot. But weren't you laughing because he was cussing? Yes. Well, and also, like, the novelty of the nursery rhyme. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But it's, yeah. like, it's stuff that you knew. Like, if your parent, like, if I ever have a kid, I don't have any kids, but if I had a kid, I would introduce them to dirty stuff and tell them it was cool so they wouldn't listen to dirty stuff. All right, okay, that's <laughs> you, the thing. I mean? Smoke this whole box of cigarettes. <laughs> exactly. um, well, listen to this Andrew Dice Clay. Yeah. But at the time, there was a Saturday Night Live female performer named Nora Dunn. Yeah, okay. And she, uh, when Dice Clay came to host, she refused to be on the show. Okay. And that was the first time, I don't know what I was, 16 or so, I don't know, but that was the first time I was like, oh, Oh, okay. I didn't realize, okay, so this is bad beyond cussing. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, because it doesn't, personally affect you right so that that, was, that's my point yeah uh, i'm kind of in the demo where everything's been about me and but the, to my but, benefit but, but there's and, also like you know when i when i talk about race on stage i know that i can feel it in the room that if i even say sometimes a word white they're like oh he's going to start bashing us that's the whole stereotype of comedy is the non-white person always makes fun of the white person it's right just, i mean all of them do it wrong right. do and it's always like hey they're lame they're lame. i never do that i do a joke about I'm ironically saying I wish it was white because you guys can do flash mobs, like stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but you know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the second I say it, they're probably thinking, especially now in this era, they're like, oh, he's going to start bashing us, you know? Or, right. But I don't want anybody to ever feel, regardless of race, to feel excluded. But I don't know the line until I cross it, you know? But with Chappelle, he doesn't have to worry about it because he's made a lot of money. I mean, I'm still... Right. I can't get canceled. I'm, I'm done. Yeah, I mean, no. I'm barely held on by a string. If they cut that cord, I'm done. Yeah. So, um, and that, that's why it, it is legitimately troubling. It is... Uh, so one of the things that I've, I've watched recently that I absolutely love and my thoughts are just... I keep going back to this is this Rick Rubin documentary on Showtime. Shangri-La, have you seen it? Yeah. 
okay, it's exceptional, mm -hmm. like on a lot of different levels. And uh, when you brought up Vince McMahon, I was thinking about Rick Rubin producing that Dice Clay record, but Rick Rubin's fascinated with wrestling. Yeah. And so it's like, well, this is not real. Like yes. this, this, yes. all this animus, this is, this is not real. This is a projection and we're supposed to laugh at this. But I think you'd be surprised how many people in the audience, like, so when Chappelle does the Chinese accent, right? Yep. Um, and obviously he apologizes. He's like, my wife is Asian. She hates that joke. What bothers me about that is, and again, the audience doesn't know the apology. They don't hear the apology, but their laughter. I remember watching this with, I remember having the same feeling two times. The very first time I did a joke, I probably a few months in, I did a joke about the Indian accent sucks. Mm -hmm. And the laughter I got was them laughing at me. Like, oh yeah, we know it sucks. And I felt like, shit. I was like, oh, this is the stuff that if somebody told me this that wasn't Indian, I would be like, what a racist thing to say. So why am I condoning it that it's okay to say it? Okay, dude, have you ever seen uh, Dave Chappelle on Inside the Actors Studio after he quit the Chappelle show? And That's when we smoking on with James Lipton? Yes, yes. Okay, okay. And he had a and, and man, it, I thought about this a lot. Okay. A lot. Okay. But he was talking about doing a joke and I, it may have been... Uh, oh yeah, it was on the season that they, they cut short. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and then, or he was talking about you know doing live material and seeing the way certain white people laughed at his jokes about black people. Yeah, and like going, that's not laughing with us. Yeah, that that's guy is angry against black people. Yeah, and I'm seeing it, and I'm going, man, I'm contributing to that. I'm stirring that up. Because Chappelle has always been, you know, I've been doing stand since '01 when he was still doing clubs. He was always the he's the black friend everybody he's mm -hmm. the college black friend right you know like there's 30 people at a party at unt oh this is my black friend he's that guy he yeah. just gets along with everybody but you notice in and the even the jim brewer stoner movie right like <laughs> yeah, it, half baked, half -baked yeah, yeah right right he's just a black friend yeah um and i remember what again watching sticks and stones if you watch the guy stage right uh there's a white guy in the very front and every time he talks about white people he has this smug like 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 when he talks about like, you know, white people are the one that, that shoot up the schools or whatever, which is like an old joke that comics have been doing since I started. Right. You know, um, he has a smug look on his face because in his head, he doesn't want to laugh at that truth. He wants to laugh at something that's kind of dis That's how I took it when I saw yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like how every, there's an Asian guy, if you remember, like on stage right, he stands up for everything. He's losing it because, I mean, I'm Indians. So I'm Asian too. We're in the outside minority looking at everything. We're, right white people and black people they're both silly to us because nobody even knows we have Aziz Ansari that's all we got you did you see the last Aziz Ansari I'm special Aziz fan man and okay. I do a really good Aziz impression I do a really really good can I hear a little bit of it I mean wait Cowboys won yesterday whoa I could do that I would be interested because of the conversation <laughs> we're having I'd be interested in your opinion on the new one because it's the same thing I he got canceled uh, quote unquote canceled and then so I've I have cousins that sound like him. Uh -huh. So there's a real, really weird thing with, with Indian kids that are born and raised here is like, it's kind of why I got drawn into hip hop is we don't fit in anywhere. We don't have any musicians, no artists, no actors, nobody, especially I was born in 77. So we have nobody until like now there's Mindy Kaling, but Mindy right. Kaling is like my age. Right. Aziz is my age. Right. But growing up, you, the closest I could identify was Chris Rock mm -hmm. and 90s hip hop and 70s soul music. That's a, that's, I'm like, oh, somebody Brown is doing something. Right, right. That's all I have. This is... Uh, I know we're going way off track. But. No, no, no. I, I enjoy all these sort of engagements. So I'm, I'm curious. 
So one of the greatest uh, comedy shows of all time is The Simpsons. Uh-huh. How does someone like you growing up feel about Abu being on The Simpsons? So I didn't. It was that came out in eighty six. Yes. So, so it so the the full time show was eighty nine. I remember because I okay. just got off to college. Okay. But it appeared on the Tracy, uh, Tracy Ullman. yes yeah. Tracy Ullman show. So I never thought much about it because uh, I mean this is the era of the we didn't have. Uh, the internet or we didn't have DVR. So if you watched it on Sunday, if you didn't catch it on Sunday, it was gone. Right. And, uh, so I never really, it never really bothered me until I started doing standup mm-hmm. because even in college, I went to UNT, nobody ever brought it up to me. Uh, nobody was doing saying that anything to my face. But when I was on stage, the comics would always be like, especially when I first started was always like, Hey, after I got off stage, they would be like, hey, give it up for, or they'd introduce me as, hey, this guy, you might have seen Miss 7-Eleven. Like, that's their intro. Because, Are you serious? Because that's what they, this is 01. I mean, there were no Indian, I was maybe one of three Indian comics in the country. Wow. Maybe three. Yeah. And, and just uh, so people, I don't even know if we established this, you grew up in Richardson like me. We yeah. went to the same high school. I'm older yeah. than you, so we yeah. didn't go to school together, but yeah. we had probably a similar upbringing from an environment standpoint. Yeah, and we all lived in, we basically kind of lived in the suburbs. Yes. I, but I lived over by what we called like little Vietnam basically okay. where, the, where the kids were had lunch plans, but they were wearing jabos. Uh. You know, that kind of, that's what we asked. you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So were you off like uh, Walnut Hill? Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, where boiling crab is. Yeah, absolutely. Boil- is it that's, crab? Yeah. That's technically Garland, right? Yeah. So okay. we lived in Garland, but we were on the border Yeah. and we went to Richardson. But yep. like, yeah, when I was at school, I sat with all the kids who didn't speak English because nobody else would talk to me, but you don't, you don't think about being a minority. I never honestly thought about it until I was on stage doing stand-up. And I remember, dude, I remember this so well. Uh, so I started in 01, June of 01. Uh, September 11th happens that year, obviously. I performed at Fat, Fat Tuesday was the urban night mm-hmm. at the Improv. Okay. And that's where you cut your teeth, basically. Like, if, you can, if you're not black and you kill that room, you get vaulted to, like, you can host, you can do whatever you want in the wow. city at that point. yeah. Nanette Lee was running at that point. Oh, it was yeah. Sold out. It was when she was on K104. Yeah. It was sold out. And they brought me up the week after 9-11. The, the intro was, this guy had nothing to do with 9-11. That was their intro for me. And then they always play like some Indian sample music where there's like, you know, Truth Hurts or so whatever. whatever. <laughs> right. You know what I'm talking about? Before Rakim starts rapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> Before thinking of a master plan comes yeah, in. That's yeah. What, yeah, so they do that stuff. I get in there and they're like <laughs> groaning. I'm like, like, now you could do it. And it would be hacky, but it would be stupid because it's like we're just a little bit more mainstream than before. Yeah. Back then, I'm like four months into stand-up. I'm like, how do you handle getting booed right away off nothing I said? Right. And hey, here's the enemy of America. Have at it, Paul. Yeah, even though it's a different country, but you can't yeah. discuss nuance at that point. No, no, no. You're If you're brown, you're grouped yeah. together with yeah. Middle East and yeah, yeah we got to je- you know yeah. ban you and all this kind of exactly. crap. So and this is 01 again before like you know social media. So that's when I started writing the bit. I was like, man, I got to find a way to endear myself to the audience. But I write the dumb joke about Indian people and accents and stuff. And dude, I, that joke goes to the point of where I do like, that's why you don't see Indian boy bands. And I was doing like, do you remember that song by Shy, If I Ever Fall in Love? Oh, yeah, of course. So I did that first verse in like some hacky Apu accent. <laughs> and they're, but they're laughing at me. Yeah. Like, I, can, I can just feel it. I can't, tell the, I can't tell you the difference with it, but it just, you can feel when they're laughing at you. Yeah. And I was like, I don't ever want to do that. Um, I never took a poo as, I was like, okay, it's a cartoon character. I mean, I'm not looking up to him, but I wouldn't want somebody to call me a 7-Eleven employee yeah. either. You know? Right. But you can't cancel him now. I mean, you can, I guess, but 
that doesn't change anything. It's in syndication. Th- th- this is yeah. This so this is one of the things I want to talk about. I mean, not necessarily with you right now, but just this whole thing where people get all up in arms about the past. Yeah. It's like, guess what? It's a racist country. It's yeah. been a racist country. It's yeah. oppressed people. Yeah. So you can be in denial all you want, and then freak out ten years later. We go, oh yeah, that's a really ugly part of our history. Yeah. And so to me, the way I look at some of these things, have you seen when they see us? Uh, uh, the you need to see it if you haven't. It's on Netflix. It's a four part series. That's the Central Park yes. Five Wonder. Okay, and man, it's uh, it'll rip you up. Yeah, like it's oh my god. But but one of the one of the sensations I had in watching it was that story took place when I was graduating from high school. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's 1989. Yeah, and it's still relevant, like yeah. right now. Yeah, and so I'm like, well, okay, if we're just going to keep repeating our horrible behaviors, yeah. It, it, it's it's incumbent, and this is the problem with the current and climate, and the yeah. problem with canceling, and the left canceling other people on the yeah. left, and the people on the yeah. This is the problem, is there, it's impossible to get progress if everyone is defensive and just defending their turf. Of course. And so the people that have been oppressed need to pull back a little bit on the attack, but yeah. in fairness, I, just, I understand that behavior because the people that have the control are not admitting yeah. what the problems are. Yeah. And so you're just in this perpetual state of repeating the same mistakes over and over and over and over, but we're a way more savvier collective than we used to be. And social media has weaponized all this stuff. So I feel like, you know, not to be caustic or anything, but this whole idea of the tipping point, we're really rushing towards it at high velocity. I, I don't think there's a solution, right? I see it getting worse. I've had more argument, not argument, I don't say arguments after shows, people talking to me about why I should take race out of my act than I've ever had in the last And, and who are we doing that for? We're doing that for the people that don't want to deal with the reality because yeah, they're and, in a good position and, and they don't I'm want their boat rocked. I'm not anything like, uh, like you, you would have to really read into my stuff to be like, like I know what I'm saying. Right. I'm not saying this, this race sucks, this race is terrible. I know how to nuance it to where it's just funny. But just saying certain words triggers like saying like white black brown it's like why are you even bringing it up i'm like it, it's look i don't get oppressed every day right it's a part of my life yeah it's, it's and it, it's it, it, it's it impacts an overall outlook and mentality in general one of the things that's so interesting too is like right now the idea of mental health has been more above board than it's ever been <laughs> yeah and it's like, okay, so if we're acknowledging that that's a thing, can we not acknowledge what all this oppression does to a group of people yeah. to have so many relatives in prison and not operate? Yeah. Can we not like be realistic about this stuff? Yeah. I, the last pod I did, I did with Michael Young, the greatest, one of the greatest text range of all time. Yeah. And we talked about the idea of what the word privilege means yeah. and how so many white people freak out if you use the word. It's like... Yeah. Just acknowledge it. Yeah. We're not signaling you out and saying, okay, you I, owe the world everything. It's like, I, don't be a part of the effing problem. I, I always say, like, I, I do a bit about it, actually, where privilege, the word privilege is a problem because people associate privilege like duck, the beginning of DuckTales. Remember when Scrooge McDuck is like, has no pants and he jumps <laughs> into a mountain of coins? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. not privilege because it's always like, I'm poor, I don't make money. It's they're not privilege. We're talking about benefits. Like, the fact that, like, if a, if a white person walked into a place and there were 80 Indian people, they would assume, okay, this must be a private party. Let's leave. <laughs> right, right. That's right. My everyday is the opposite of that. Right. If I only went to places that only have Indian people, I would be at a, my parents' house or like a Comp USA. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's it. There's only two places I could go right. where I'm not the minority. Right. But I don't see it that way. Like I see it that way for writing purposes, but I don't think that's what the benefit is, is you can go anywhere and you're not the minority. And, you know, yeah, yeah I, I totally hear what you're saying, yeah. and I, this is not an 
any way, please don't want anyone to take no. this as a woe is me thing because it's not. Okay. I did this willingly. I went into environments where I was the minority because I wanted to be there. Okay. And specifically early 90s being in a rap group. Well, that, I mean, that's what's great about music. It, like, yeah. Nobody cares. No. Like, that whole 90s hip hop scene, like my first concert was Souls of Mischief, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest at the Bomb Factory. I was, I was at that show. Yeah. Yeah, man. Because I was a huge Souls of Mischief fan. You might have been in high school then, right? I was my senior year, I Okay, think. yeah. It was mind-blowing. No, sophomore year. It was mind-blowing to me. That was when Midnight Marauders came out. Yeah. Mind State came out. 93 John Finney came Such out. Such great records. And nobody's looking at me like this goofy, nerdy Indian kid. They were just like, no, it's just music. It brings people together. There's something about... I think the thing with comedy is people think it's so easy because everybody's made somebody laugh at some point. Right. Every single person has. Right. And so they know what that rush feels like. Yeah. like. Well, I do that. I can do that because I've made people... Not on that yeah. level. He's no. making... Well, Chappelle has fans, but... I'm making strangers laugh. They don't know me. They're, right. How do I connect to them? Right. And the only connection Chappelle knows is you all know I'm famous, so I'm going to say some things that only a famous guy can get away with. Yeah. Because little Paul Varghese and Deep Ellum can't get away with this stuff. It doesn't mean that he's better than me. It's just he has this platform. It's such a hard so. grind. Really, like whether you're in a band or, you know, Any, you're, yeah, anything artistic. It's it, hard to get to where it's your career. Yeah, I mean, dude, like, I, I love doing it. I'm nowhere close to where he is, but I understand why he can get away with stuff that I can't, why Chris Rock can say the things he does. It doesn't mean he's braver. He just has, he has cachet. You know what's so interesting, too, about Chris Rock, for me at least, I think it's interesting, is I thought he was an incredibly mediocre dude, and okay. then he did bring the pain. I was like, man, that might have been the best hour of television I think I've ever <laughs> fucking seen. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize what he had yeah. and when i saw what he had man he was dropping bombs and it was incredible yeah. bigger and blacker that's one right after that is yes. my favorite one that's the one okay about, uh we should get everybody should have free guns but we should every bullet should cost fifty thousand dollars <laughs> right 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 i remember it's, that now yeah you know chappelle's got a great bit where he said uh, the only way we can get these uh laws changes for every able-bodied black person to, <laughs> to register, register for a gun, gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. then we'll get some changes yeah, on yeah. that front yeah i love i love that stuff but also like Stand-up reflects the culture. Like, the reason Bring the Pain is awesome and it wouldn't probably translate now is because people have to remember the Clinton Lewinsky yes. scandal because yes. that's what blew up. Oh, and OJ and Marion Barry. Like, it was so ripe for that. that. What do you think about Eddie Murphy coming back then? Uh, I have very mixed feelings about it. Okay, so here's the... Here, uh, again, this is just really more about my age. When I was a seventh or eighth grader, okay. he came in concert. Okay. Okay, doing the delirious stuff. Okay. Okay. And that was like, I didn't get to go. Of course not. My buddy Stacy Curtis went, and I just thought he was the greatest person alive because he got to see Eddie Murphy do overtly homophobic jokes. Yeah. And, I mean, stuff that would, quote, unquote, never fly now. Yeah. And then, you know, I quit really caring about Eddie Murphy because he, st he just did a bunch of stuff that Movies. didn't. But, dude, the dude's insanely talented. Yeah. And so for him to want to, at this point in his career, yeah. come back and do this, I can't effing wait. He doesn't need uh, money for this. Yeah. Like, why would he want to do this if it's not to go out there and detonate bombs? I don't know. That don't Are you worried? I, I don't think it's going to. I think it's going to be. The hype is so big. Like, we talk, going back to my grandfather, dead at 73. Uh huh. He's, he's been dead for, what, 46 years? Uh -huh. And now he's like, you know, he 
he flipped a switch when God said, let there be light. He's like that big. <laughs> the expectations for Eddie Murphy are going to be humongous. What if he lives up to him? There's no way, dude. Because remember, he was never really doing anything social commentary anyway. He was just talking about, he's going to have to talk about being a celebrity. The yeah. first 20 minutes are going to be about who he's met. It's going to be almost like Kathy Griffin. Like, I did this, and I did this movie, and I did, because that's been his life, or you think he really cares about Black Lives Matter or anything? Okay, so th- that's real interesting, too, uh, from another because I know you care about this stuff as much as I do. Why so few rappers have better than two or three records that are any good? Because their first record or their first two records yeah. is is there's an urgency to it. What is what you've been building up your whole life, right? Yeah. And once you like get treated the way celebrities get treated, boy, yeah. that urgency really. And so, like, I look at Eminem, and I'm not an Eminem fan. Okay, like I respect the shit out of him. I think okay. he's amazing, but okay. like. I can't, you know, put on the, and I was like, I don't want to hear you hack up your wife. I, I don't really. And like, as much as I like NWA, the, the first, the record they made when Cube left yeah. is utter trash. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I can't do that. Well, I, I didn't, haven't listened to any Tribe albums since Midnight Marauders. Well, okay. So my point is, <laughs> yeah. is that, you know, the urgency of an artist yeah. uh, is, is so paramount to connecting to their stuff of course if you're a person that just you know there's a lot of people that just want to have a nice tune on in the background i'm not that kind of person okay like i connect to something or i don't yeah same here and it's got to mean something to me yeah i'll play it till i'm sick of it right yeah and so when you have that initial urgency there's something to latch on to and i think you know if i was an eminem fan uh he had so much angst and he held on to that angst. I think it kept him relevant longer because usually people that attain a certain status can let go of the angst and he never could. Yeah. And then when he got sober, quite frankly, all the songs really sucked. Yeah. I know that sounds, but I'm sorry. It's like once he evened out, yeah, what was the driving force to go? Oh my God, this person is really making me feel something. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, with rap a lot, a lot of times it's party jams and all that stuff is cool. I thought, Jay-Z's record that 444 that he uh-huh. made yeah. I thought that that record was fucking incredible okay. and I thought it was the best record he had made uh, since Reasonable Doubt and it's because he almost lost his wife and then he had to go out there yeah. and lay it all out there yeah. and go man I almost ruined my life and so it suddenly there was an urgency there yeah. or an import that I could connect to beyond look at how fucking dope all these cars are look yeah. at how big yeah. my house I, like, yeah. I can't there's no urgency there's nothing to connect to for do, me there do you so I am like the biggest Outcast fan ever. I think okay. they're incredible. Uh, now I don't like uh, what was the one Idlewild? I didn't listen to. Okay, it Okay, nobody listens to that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> That's so, like yeah, uh, yeah, Prince's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, my, yeah, Alf, my, what's the movie he made? Uh, uh, Paisley Park. Gr- no, Graffiti Bridge. Graffiti Bridge. Yeah. Right, right. Those first five albums, though, you can't like that five album run. There's nothing close to it. Pound for pound, all five. Yeah, no, no way. They all sound different. But he also took their time between all of them. They took like three, four years apart. Mm-hmm. Like, and he doesn't want to do music anymore. I don't blame him. Like, he doesn't have anything to say, he really. Like, he, money. Used, yeah. he already made money. He has, he has generational wealth. Right. Why, what does he have to say? Like, if I ever made like Chappelle money, I, you'll never see me again. Like, I don't, right. What would I get angry about? I, okay. That's, that's another thing I wanted to talk to you. I love this. Okay. I love that you brought this up. Okay. Because this is why I think, uh, and again, I might be over glorifying Dave and go, making him seem ahead. like he's the most brilliant genius ever. But in that same Rick Rubin special, uh-huh. Gerard Carmichael okay. was talking about if I'm going to feel this, I have to go out on stage and say something that's dangerous. Okay. Otherwise, I'm not feeling my art. Okay. And there's another great line in there where Rick Rubin goes, you know, 
If you go out there and you make something that everybody likes, it's probably pretty mediocre or else everybody wouldn't like it. Yeah. You know, you've got to make something that upsets people and makes other people love it or there's no urgency to it. There's nothing important about it. Yeah. And so I felt like, I mean, again, I'm I'm caping for the guy, but I felt like he's like, oh, shit, it's like this. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because there's an an overriding theme to it. it. Not only is it called Sticks and Stones. Yeah. But, dude, he's talking about Judgment Day and not yeah. caring about his own destruction. I felt yeah. like I was watching a guy going, I'm willing to light myself on fire. Let's see what happens. But <laughs> he's also rich enough to be able to withstand it if it did get too hot. Of course. Yeah, exactly. He, he, he's, he's talked about one of the reasons he left, too, is he can't – they laugh at everything he says. Yeah. They go crazy. Anything he says. There's a couple of mediocre – there's a handful of mediocre punchlines in there, but they are – losing it i mean falling out of their chairs he's preaching to the choir baby yeah yeah but he deserves that choir he earned those stakes so i get it in the sense of like yeah i need a challenge so let me but even then he's not really poking the anthill like i said he apologizes for everything you know um does his shit still move you like as an artist as some you understand the art you've performed the art you know what it takes does he still move i wasn't i wasn't blown away by it but it didn't suck yeah but i feel like again going back to social media all the comics if you don't think it's great then you don't get it i'm like it can be good yeah not everything has to be epic right it's fine (laughs) right right like i love i love roy wood jr so he's on he's the guy in the daily show okay i haven't seen his stuff two specials two albums and they're flawless in my like they're both completely flawless Mm mm-hmm and people know him because of Daily Show, but he can't sell out Verizon, and that's not his fault. Yeah, but those two albums are easily the best two albums I've heard in the last five years. So if so. you're if you're if I'm saying uh, so, I need Roy Wood Jr. I'll yeah, check him out. Anybody else you feel like I need to check out? I mean, I, it, you know, on the complete different spectrum, Chad Daniels is really good, but he's straight white guy, middle aged in Minnesota, but he it's him raising kids, but it's not family humor. It's him like being like s- super evil. But he, def- he justifies it because anytime he says something, he like he'll say to the crowd, "Oh, I can feel you tense up. Let me tell you why it's wrong. You tensed up." He's kind of Daniel Tosh in that sense. Okay, um, but everything's around his family. Uh, but then if you go like completely want to like you know listen with your kids, I mean Jim Gaffigan is like legitly he's damn legitimately good, good. Yeah, he doesn't ruffle any feathers, but he's doing like thirty minutes on horses. And as many people think it might be mild, it's hard to write even two minutes on horses, let alone <laughs> twenty minutes. Then like Bill Burr's, Bill Burr's still my favorite. He's so right consistently now. amazing. Yeah. I wish Greg Giraldo was still alive. He was my favorite before everybody else. But Burr, yeah, Burr special drops. Well, I guess that would be. We're not gonna air this tonight, but it would be tomorrow tonight. He's oh really? Yeah, the new, the new, a new Netflix special. Yeah. Okay. And, it, and he talks about cancel culture in there. Oh and wow! I think the angle is something like if you if you lasted as a celebrity till now, chances are something you said in the if you if you started in the seventies and you're still relevant now, it's gonna come back and bite you. Yeah. Just because of the climate. Right. You know. But Burr's great. Uh, I like I like such a range of stuff, like even musically. So like comedically, I'm all over the place. So like Wanda Sykes' new special is great. What is it on? It is on. Is it on Amazon or Hulu? I can't mm-hmm. remember. They all they all blend together. Right. Uh, Nate Bargatze is really good. He's I'm unfamiliar. A, yeah, he's like super uh, super subtle Tennessee kid. Um, but he'll do stuff like, I think, I mean, I'm going to butcher the bit, but he'll do stuff about like going to like, a, he's a van, he lives in Tennessee. He's a Vanderbilt fan. He went to a Vanderbilt bowl game, but they got there so early. He gave the tickets and they let him in. But he's like, no, no, I'm waiting for my friends. So he was there like two hours before, just <laughs> even before they even opened the concession stand, just kind of sitting there like he's waiting for an iPhone. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like and his seats are at the top, top right. row. So he's like looking over the stadium, seeing his friends, like waving them over because he can't get out because yeah. there's no ins and outs. It's like stuff like that. 
but then I can listen to you know Chappelle, and he's just as relevant. You know All right. I mean? Do you have uh, Do you have any Chappelle interaction stories? Uh, I don't. It's a loaded question because I got a really good one. Okay, you probably, you're going to easily beat me. Well, I mean, he, yeah, I mean, we did, so we when we performed in Dallas, we went to Sfuzi back when Sfuzi was around. Yeah, I yeah, yeah, the, ti- the pizza place. Yeah, yeah, that was where the after party was. And I've never been to, again, talking about iconic stuff. It was me, his road manager, him, and my cousin. Uh, he was flirting with my cousin. And we're all four sitting there. She, in fact, she, shout out to Rena. She's the one that got me the Austin show because he was like, are you going to come to Austin with us, with me? And she's like, I can't come. I got to work, but you should take my cousin. He just opened, who is that? He's the guy that just opened for you? And he was like, yeah, I'll take him. He's the guy sitting right there. <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'll take him if you come. And she never showed up, but I got to go. So it was fun for me. That's awesome. But I remember sitting there at VIP and Spoozy, which VIP was literally just three chairs, sofas looking at each other. Right. There's no rope. There's security. And it's just people staring at us staring at each other you know what I mean like there's no like wall nothing it's mm-hmm. just like if, how we are uh-huh. just imagine like 50 other people just looking at us drink oh my god that's the worst so it's creepy yeah but that's and I have nothing outside of that I mean Austin I think Danny Trejo came by to watch the oh, show cool. or whatever but do you have a machete or an axe yeah, or anything he's actually really short too man but is that right he came in in a wife beater dude like I'm like <laughs> that was his I don't I want to see him like in a suit yeah his funeral maybe right <laughs> but he I didn't I couldn't say anything to him I was taller than him but he's like you know built like a, a brick he's so, a, yeah he's a big dude so he doesn't care about me he just walked by but yeah I haven't I mean I have, I have more Joan River stories and okay Chappelle, Let, but, I'll give you my because you'll you'll love this because you're a hip-hop head okay so back when i was still making hip-hop uh-huh. um and djing and doing these sorts of things he was on tour doing the block party okay so they would have basically a soul review in different cities and so at the time erica uh who i've known since before she was famous and i was in the cannabinoids at one point That's all awesome. this stuff okay. um she was she owned the black force theater over okay. there on mlk okay. mm-hmm. And so she was hosting Dave's block party. Okay. And so it was Erica and Talib Kweli and Dave Chappelle. Okay. I don't know if you, have you been to the Black Forest Theater? Yeah, I saw Badu there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So the backstage area is a, basically a side closet that's about eight feet by five feet. Okay. That's backstage. She renovated it though, right? She renovated it, but this is right off the stage. Okay. So because so she, this is one of the coolest things she's ever done for me. So I was the house DJ that awesome. night. Awesome. Okay. So I'm on stage on the corner of the stage playing records and you know this is and there's like this really cool Dave Chappelle block party poster. It says okay. DJ Skin, Hydroponic Sounds, and all this crap. Dope. Okay. But you're like, I want to talk to this person so bad, but I'm nervous. Okay. I don't know how to talk to this person. Okay. So we're backstage and I'm standing about five feet away from him. Okay. And he's rolling up a joint. And I'm just like, oh, my God, do I say anything? Do I say anything? <laughs> and right at that moment, Talib Kweli, who is on the other side of this small little room, uh, and I've been around a lot of rappers, so I'm not starstruck by him, even though I think he's incredibly dope. He's talking to, chatting up some gal, and he looks down at my feet, goes, damn, those kicks are nice. Okay. And I'm wearing these low-top Adidas, okay. and they're gray and red and white, and they're really nice, and they're, they're just like one-offs, like I bought them online. Um and so I look down at my shoes, and then I look up, and Dave's looking right back. Like, he looked down at my shoes, and it looked right at me, <laughs> right? Uh-huh. And so he's looking at me. I'm looking eye to eye, and he's holding a joint. And I go, man, I'm sorry to go all broke back on you, but can I take a picture with you? Yeah. And he died laughing. Oh, that's like, he thought that was really funny. I don't know. Is that offensive now? Can we say that now? I don't he know. We already did. But we already did. <laughs> so he goes like, hell yeah, bleep, I'll take yeah, a picture yeah, with yeah, you, yeah. you know? And so that was like my... 
And it would have never happened because I was standing four or five feet from him. But if Talib Kweli had not done that, I wouldn't have had the nuts to say anything to him because yeah. I was trying to be respectful of his space. I was already invading. Yeah. Kind of like you're talking about those people standing there watching you guys drink. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, I know I want to tell this person I think he's great, but uh, I don't want to offend him and I don't know how to do all this. Two things. Uh, and this, uh, again, feel free to edit any, edit any of this stuff out. It's like when, do you remember the first time you met Dirk? Yes. Okay. Yes. When you were you doing radio at the time? Uh, we were doing part time radio. Okay. And, you, and actually, yeah, we were doing part time. We were like the weekend show and the and the mass. So he met show. you knowing that you did radio though, or no? I think he recognized. So the first time I had an individual interaction with him was he was leaving the Mavs office and I was showing up there. Okay. And so we were just out out there. Yeah, I got you. You know, and so. Yeah. I don't know if I don't I, for a good while. I was like, does he know that I'm skin that does this? I just <laughs> yeah. don't know. And I just yeah. didn't want to get up in his face. Yeah. And, and to your point um, that I think I know where you're going here, yeah. uh, but there, I've known him forever now and yeah. I've hosted some charity events for him and all these things, but I'm still apprehensive of yeah. getting in his space because he's Dirk. I've never been. And that's what the other thing with, you know, with comics, you talk about like famous people like athletes are way more famous than entertainers, dude. I don't care how big Chappelle is. Dirk is already way past. And that's just, right. not, and that's just not him. That's almost every big athlete in the city. It's, yeah. It's impossible. Much less one of the greatest to ever play a yeah, sport. Yeah, yeah, that too. But I, he's the only one that I've known, you know. Um, and we, we should just say that you've performed for Dirk. Yeah, I did. His wife asked me to perform at his birthday party, which was a, another podcast altogether. That's incredible. Very, very, I think I pissed off a Nobel Prize winner in there because... He didn't speak English. But <laughs> yeah, it was like me and you know Steiny's there and Madonna's there and Holger's there. I, I spent the whole night talking to Holger, which is fun, dude. Which is yeah. I mean, he doesn't know who I am. He just asked me about stand up and how this works, and I'm like, well, why am I here? Like I'm, <laughs> I have like a twin bed. Why am I here? Right? <laughs> but I've never. But with Dirk, every time when he's been to shows, when I first met him, I was like, I don't want to be a fan. I just want to be like, hey, but I don't know what to talk to him about because, right. but. We never talk about sports. Like I don't. We just talk, he he loves stand up. So we just talk about stand up. Then we talk about people we know, and that's it. Or we make fun of a mutual friend. Right. And so I, I was apprehensive because of that. I'm like, he must get people bugging him all the time. So I don't want to be that dude. Yeah. So it helped that we met in the context of what I do because he approached me. Yeah. But I remember when and that, he, that puts you at ease. Totally. To a degree. Yeah, I mean, he's, you're still standing in the shadows of greatness, but... But when, I mean, when you're performing, you see him. He can't... He stick, kind of sticks out when he's sitting in the audience. <laughs> and he's got some big old teeth because they got knocked out, so he's got those fake yeah, chompers there. Know, like, I mean, him <laughs> sitting down is as tall as me standing up, so like, you see that, you're like, oh, is he laughing at stuff? Because I, I remember this so well because I remember performing for the Cowboys, Sean Lee's rookie year. Okay. They did a, some Cowboys post-show at the Arlington Improv. They had just opened. Like, hey, can you headline the show? The rookies are going to be there. And they did like a... I forgot who it was, but they did some cowboy show before that. And then everybody has to stay there and watch me do an hour. Okay, this is, I don't remember what rookie year it was. But you're sitting there. And like, granted, these guys are younger than me. But still, it's like, I hope these dudes think I'm funny, man. Like, right. And like, he didn't laugh at anything. It was like, <laughs> I've held that grudge for so long. I'm like, he doesn't think anything I say. Is he was funny. mad because he wasn't watching film. He's like, man, I'm not watching film right now. He's actually a really great dude. I mean, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. But I remember running into him, as seeing him at, uh, at Tay-Tay. On, oh, on yeah. I love Tay-Tay. So great, spot. great spot. And I remember sitting singing there. I was with the girl that I was thinking at the time. And I was like, I want to say something to him because he didn't laugh at my stupid jokes, whatever. But like, did with, you say something to him? No, I didn't. Because again, I don't know how to approach those things. Oh, so right. with athletes, I don't like, at least with comics, I can always go like, Hey, 
how you doing, blah, 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 with athletes. I mean, I've never been an athlete in my life. I don't know what to say. I mean, obviously it helps that you're the sideline guy, so you can, yeah. you have an opening. And now with being in, in radio, you have an opening. I have no opening to these guys. You right. know what I mean? So, I mean, Berea came to a show three weeks ago. Did you really? I don't know what to say. I mean, I hope he had fun, but <laughs> I don't know. He's a fun guy, so he probably had fun. Yeah. He but probably I, rolled I, in I with his buddy Braulio and <laughs> But I don't know what to say, though. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. But, hey, big, I don't know. I don't want to be that cheesy guy. Like, Why don't you just go, man, 2011, most kick-ass year of my life. Thanks, bro. Yeah. You know, the, the, <laughs> it, it, but you're right, though. It, especially when you respect someone so much, yeah. you like you think about their space. Yeah. And you're like, man, I don't want to be the guy to upset his space or his vibe. Yeah. I would I hate want, to be I don't that. want to be the stereotypical guy who asks the same thing. It's like when you see the, the hot girl at the bar who are single, you're like, you don't want to say, oh, you're stunning. You mm-hmm. Like, how, what's, how else can I talk about right. blah, blah, blah. So I'd right. rather them approach me. But um, going back to Chappelle real quick. Yeah. If he took out the N-word, do you think people would laugh as much? So it felt like a crutch when I was No, no, no. That. I love this topic. Okay. Especially like being a white guy sitting there laughing at that material, mm-hmm. um, because th- there is also like everything that you've built up through your years of observing stuff and taking stuff in that leads you somewhere, mm-hmm. and there's a certain kind of delivery mm-hmm. that um, releases the funny. Yeah, you know, because uh, he does a very very poignant bit about you know, saying the F word and yeah. being chastised for that, but not being chastised for yeah, the N word. And yeah. it's that whole thing too, about the way people quote unquote, see you and yeah. see all of these things. Yeah. Um, but his delivery is so funny yeah. that it's the way he is saying it. Um, I, I think there is humor in that, but okay. I also think we've been trained to laugh at that style, yeah. Richard Pryor, yeah. especially. It, it feels like a crutch. Yeah. Because the joke doesn't need it. Right. Unless he's talking about the actual word, it's it's a crutch. Like, I know if I say the word, like, let's say I'm doing a joke about Starbucks, and I said this, and then the lady said this, and I was like, bitch, I want a latte. You're always going to get a laugh at the right. word, bitch. Right, right, right. When the joke is really about latte. Right. And so I always... You no, know, you're get, right, and he does that too. A lot. He no, said that about Dream Hampton. <laughs> on yeah, that yeah, R. Yeah. Kelly special, yeah. I mean, if he if he didn't if he took that out, would they still laugh? Because you know, I feel like what what helped me not, not that I'm anywhere career wise, but what helped me was understanding the nuance of reactions and laughs. Like mm-hmm. I know when I get a gut laugh, which is why I try to write really creative stuff. But I know that if I drop this word right here, I can crush it. But then it has nothing to do with the joke. It's just the word. Yeah. Um, and with the N word, I think it's like it's it's always very strange when I see like the white guys in the audience at the Chappelle thing like losing it when he says it. Almost like, it's, uh, and again, I'm reading too much into it. It almost feels like, oh, I can't believe like I can laugh at that too, I'm, right? Because you always hear that argument. Everybody has that. You know, when you listen to hip hop, you, you hear these guys are like, well, why can why can't I I, I, I I how come I can't say the word? Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you think Chappelle and Chris Rock are like your buddies. Yeah, not your buddies, dude. Right, and, right. But it's a crutch. It's a crutch word. You know, there's certain crutches that I have, you know, like it's one co- some certain comments that you bug out your eyes, you squat over, everybody mm-hmm. laughs. Or if you, you know, Cat Williams falls down, people lose it. It's just, yeah. It has nothing to do with the joke, though. But Right. But it's, th- it's the pr- it's the projection uh, of the yeah, joke. Yeah. So I've always wanted, I mean, watching it again this morning, I was like, he should take those words out. But I don't know if those jokes last on their own without it. Well, that's a good point, too, though, <laughs> because that character or that projection, I don't yeah. want to say character, but that projection is funny. 
Because that's how he is off stage, right? Uh, from what you remember? The, the, so the little bit that yeah. I was around him, and very, it was a very little bit. But you know, I know people that know him very well. Yeah. Um, he, he. It's just he. That is the whole thing amplified. Okay. Like in other words, I mean, I know he's shy. I know yeah, he's quiet. Right. Right. My right. interaction with him, all he said was, "Hey, I, I heard them laughing, so you must be good." <laughs> that was the Dallas. That was, it was in Dallas, and we talked a little bit afterwards at the party. But I haven't really. I don't know him. Know him. That to me, it's like that's part of the performance aspect of okay. it. There's the jokes, and there's the performance aspect. Okay. And that's the performance aspect. Okay. And and it's interesting the idea of a crutch too. Yeah. Because ultimately, you're just trying to get as many laughs as you can, right? Exactly. Yeah. But or is that the equivalent to, hey, I went ahead and put in the string section on the chorus because I know it's always going to make <laughs> it more palatable. It's like, remember the 80s when, when any like white band wanted like credit, they would always book a black choir? Yeah. Like, oh, remember, my like, God. Foreigner did or Forder. Madonna. Madonna did like a prayer. <laughs> yes, That's what yes. they, it, they would always have to show them. Right. You know, in robes. Right. And they were just right on B. <laughs> yeah. Boy, this person is so woke, but that thing hadn't happened for 20 years. So you don't know what that means right now. We'll yeah. get to that later. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's what that reminds me of. But like, I mean, that's, and that's just like little critical things. Like, I don't think the audience knows, but I think they're almost like going back to the Ron White punchline indicator, like mm-hmm. drinking the whiskey. The audience doesn't know that they just, oh, that's so hilarious. I'm like, if you took away that whiskey, would you? That, so it's you can't even do it, right? You can't even make your mind go there. But is it as funny if he took all that out? And then what does he replace it with when he's addressing this concept of? That yeah, which is why I mean the comics here in the city we all we always talk about it is like uh, that means the joke's not strong enough. If you take it out and it doesn't work, that like a, a, whether it be a slur or a cuss word, if it doesn't stand on its own, it doesn't work. Now, if you know it works and you want to add that to amplify it, then mm-hmm. fine. But like, look, Chris Rock's bullet control, he didn't really so, cuss in that. Okay, so w- w- let's go back to this. Huh. What do you think about Tracy Morgan? I've never found him funny, dude. I've never... So he makes me howl laugh. Okay. Okay? And it's because, it's um, to me, he's almost like the old dirty bastard of comedy. <laughs> okay. okay. Like, I get it. if you just took old dirty's rhymes yeah. and, and looked at them on a paper, you'd be like, what? Yeah. But the way he performs them are incredible. Okay. The guy's brilliant. So, so, so he's more delivery than substance, is what you mean. Yeah, but yeah, the, the, what, what I'm saying is the delivery adds substance to what he's saying. Yeah. Because it's a projection of these things. Yeah. And so Tracy Morgan, one of the funniest things I've ever seen, and I don't really find this guy funny, but I went and saw Jay Moore okay. because we had him in studio at ESPN. He does, he does the Tracy Morgan, doesn't he? Does uh, he do a Tracy Morgan? His Tracy Morgan's insanely funny. Okay. It's insanely funny. And he ended the show with a 10-minute story about going to an all-black strip club with Tracy Morgan. Okay. And as someone who, you know, when I was in my rap days, would go to places where I was one of three or four white dudes. Yeah. You know, and I, that was kind of what I was talking about earlier. It's like, if I go into that environment, I have to go into that environment respectful of what that environment is. Of course. It's not about me walking in going, well, here's the way I think things should go down. It's, yeah. you're in this environment, you respect this environment. <laughs> you adhere to this environment. Totally. yeah. And so he's talking about being there and Tracy Morgan is wild and shirtless and ordering <laughs> $300 bottles of champagne yeah, yeah. and running up this tab. And then in the middle of it, Tracy Morgan starts a fight. Okay. Okay. And Jay Moore's like, holy F. And I had this experience, Paul, where I went and saw Ice Cube and Public Enemy and Queen Latifah in Houston in 1990 okay. at the summit in Houston. Okay. So there's 15,000, 16,000 people there and maybe 200 of them are white. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. So that's, that's for me, that felt like tension. Okay. okay I'm 19 years old. <laughs> okay. All right. Okay. And I'll never forget this on the concourse level. Okay. About 200 feet away from me, a fight breaks out. Okay. 
and I, there's a wave of fist coming at me, <laughs> almost like the wave in sporting events. Yeah, and my thought you. is, they're going to destroy me. Yeah. And so I turned and I ran out of that venue. Okay. I ran. Okay. Right? Okay. And the reason being, it's, it's like self-preservation. I got you. I know if a fight breaks out, there's a bunch of people that just want to destroy this little white guy. Okay. And so uh, Jay Moore's talking about the fight breaking out and him being like OS and he runs to get out of that strip club as fast as he can. Okay. Cause when it jumps off, he's a target. Yeah, yeah. He's the first target. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so that's being respectful of your environment. Yeah. So he runs out <laughs> and he says, he turns around and this bouncer takes, you know, kicks the door open and throws a shirtless Tracy Morgan. Who's got blood running down his face and has gotten the crap beat out of him, throws him out into the street. Okay. And he says, and he does a perfect Tracy Morgan imitation and, so Tracy's laying in a hump in the street and laying yeah. in a pile of street. And Jay's like, you okay? You okay? And he gets up and he goes, Jay Moore, that's how you don't pay your tab at a strip club. Oh, that's it's hilarious. Just, he set it up great. And the imitation's incredible. That's hilarious. But the reason that it works is because of this character yeah. that Tracy Morgan is. Yeah. And it's the character that's funny. And dude... He is in control of that character, yeah. and he knows that character well, is funny. So you know, like the the rep with him when I started was because I would do sets in New York for a little bit. The rep was like because he hadn't gotten Thirty Rock at that time. He was on SNL. He was just bombing at yeah. these mics, and like the rep was, you know, maybe he would get a, a, a big one theater gig for. I mean, I don't know what he had a couple of Comedy Central specials, but uh-huh. they were terrible. He would just. But then he got on Thirty Rock, and that character was. For him, and they they put him. They made that character shine. Yeah, and, and that, you saw the genius of it. Yeah, but up until then, he, he was bombed just, he, left and right, dude, dude. And and part of it is, I think that's funny. And so, uh, there. Did you see the last Espies? Which is a terrible question because nobody watches the ESPYs. Was that the no? Har- Tracy Morgan oh, was the hosted, host. Okay. Steve Harvey hosted the NBA Awards. That's right. Was, right? Yeah. So I didn't watch it because it's the ESPYs. Yeah. And if it's not about Dirk, I ain't watching the damn ESPYs. <laughs> yeah. So uh, the next day on my station, there's all this talk about man. Tracy Morgan was horrible. Okay. And I was like, okay, wow, that sucks. I think he's funny. So we played clips, uh-huh. and I died laughing <laughs> at every one of them. I was like, okay. this is funny. What? Yeah. This isn't funny. Yeah. And so you either think that character is funny because he's not doing material. Yeah. You know, there's material there, but it's not about the material. It's about the presentation of the material. Don't Same with Norm MacDonald. Yeah. Like, I love Norm MacDonald. There's people that effing hate Norm MacDonald. Yeah. He makes me howl laugh. <laughs> okay. I can't stop laughing at him yeah, because yeah. I think that character he's doing is funny. I think it's definitely blurred a line because I can't imagine being those dudes in public. Like right. When, They've got to be on all the time. All, times, all is, the time. You know, I've heard. I've never worked with Chris Rock, but I've heard stories through Wanda Sykes about how he's super shy uh-huh. on stage. He's just he's kind of a recluse, you know. And I don't blame him because if he was over here, if he was over at Community, they'd be like, "Oh my, Chris Rock's here!" Right. And now he's got to like, "Come on, say something funny," because right. you know you're gonna get that, and they get it on a level, you know, five thousand times more than I do. Right. So I can't imagine having to be on all the time, which is probably why Tracy is. A little nuts, you know what I mean? Right. You know? I mean, I know you know. I know Kevin. You know Kevin Hart's been. I don't know Kevin Hart, but I know that he's been kind of going off the rails, literally off the rails. But yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, but he's been kind of going a little bit crazy too, just because you have to be the guy that jumps in the rock's arms every time they see you. You've got to be mm-hmm. right. Got to be on. It's got to be annoying after a while. At, at that level, it's got to be ridiculous. There's, know? there's a. I remember this from. God, I can't remember if it was a, a like a 2020 from the 80s or whatever, but it was Eddie Murphy 
Yeah. And Bill and he was talking about him and Bill Cosby being in Bill Cosby's office uh-huh. whispering about the way some white people had treated him. Uh-huh. And they're like, We are in your office whispering right now. Yeah. And and there's this thing about uh, especially, you know, because there are so many, whether it's athletes or actors or whatever, but African-Americans that have achieved all this fame and notoriety, yeah. and then they suddenly get accepted in a different way, yeah. and they're conflicted. Look what happened to Dave. Look what happened to Lauren Hill. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a whole litany of, of them. Of course, of course. Because it's like, well, why am I being treated like this now? And the the... The revelation of how really jacked up it is, they have to experience it in a whole new way. It's on a much smaller level, on my level, like I've never been the guy that was motivated by, oh, everybody, nobody talked to me in high school. I'm going to be famous and show them. I was always like, I was way cuter and way nicer in high school and college. (laughs) You didn't talk to me then, and now you want to talk to me? Yeah. Like, this is... I better just enjoy it while it lasts because you had no idea. I was way cooler and nicer and not jaded back then. I never looked at it as like, now I'm going to... It is a weird thing because you're older and you you were always the same person and now all of a sudden everybody likes you, the same people who won't take your phone calls. I mean, I know from a small level, LA is very much like high school. Like if, if, if we went to LA right now, I would be able to talk to the comics until somebody more important comes in the room. And then you get, then you're not the popular kid, right? And Hollywood, you know, everybody right, right. thinks you go out to L.A. and you can go make it. Well, if if the L.A. is the popular girl, and if you're not what she's into, you got to wait. You got to like do your thing to get the popular girl's attention. And I'm like, I'm a grown dude. Like, that what, hustle is so ridiculous. You left, of, you left high school thinking you would never have to go through that again. Yeah, and showbiz is why people end up going crazy and like. Robin Williams, all these guys like just killing themselves. Like, well, he talks about Anthony Bourdain. It's just, yeah, you, you're, n- you're not the most relevant person in the room, you know. And again, going back to Dirk, he doesn't care about stuff like that. No, like, he's such an anomaly. That's part of his, part of his one tiny little aspect of all these little pieces of brilliance that make up what he is. Yeah. Um, all right, so wrapping this thing up, um, give give the Dave special a grade. And give it, uh, give it a grade. Give two grades. Give grade compared to Dave, or just compared to just walking in and turning on a Netflix special. Uh, definitely watch it, and if you don't enjoy it, uh, well, if you like, if you like to show, then you'll like the special. I, I mean, I would give it a B. Mm-hmm. Um, like my A is, if you want to know my standard, A is is Roy Wood special. He has two of them. And the one that's about, there's one on HBO coming out on October 4th called, it's from Gary Goldman, who is, uh, come from Boston. He has a, a Judd Apatow produced it. Okay. And I toured with him in June, so I've seen the special. And it's, uh, it's actually about mental health, but it's not a, uh, self-help encouraging one-man show he's just doing a set is this coming up on hbo yeah the first week okay of October, i saw dude i saw a commercial for that i sitting with his mom showing going through and that's just the indie film aspect yeah of it. But the actual special is really really good um it's really smart stuff but again just i think people need to realize that comedy is like music like there's the red hot chili peppers and there's outcasts and there's mm-hmm. you know there's Little Brother, and then there's Kings of Leon, and you don't have to like all of them. Right. Like, it would be nice if you could like Jim Gaffigan and Chris Rock, but those fans probably don't intersect at all, and right. that's not a racial thing. It's just, I like my stand-up this way, but so don't think just because you don't like Dave Chappelle that he sucks. It's like, it's art. You know, you're not, you're probably not, people who, anybody who's listened to this who's seen me, probably half of them probably don't even like me anyway, but I'm not, I'm just doing what I do. So I think there's no stand-up special that crosses over to everybody but Chappelle's the closest Mm -hmm. just go in there with an open mind go in there with an open mind I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Paul I mean that sort of topic probably 
impacts me more than your average person, but I think it's interesting nonetheless, and I hope you got something out of it. Thanks to my friends at the Dallas Mavericks for letting us record down there. And big thanks to my homeboy, Mark Frito Friedman. We go way back. His crew over at Frito Nation was nice enough to produce this podcast for us this week. We'll be back in the future. We got stuff with Sophia Chang, former manager of the Wu-Tang Clan, large professor, and maybe even one podcast dedicated to some new music that I'm bumping. But we appreciate it when you subscribe and listen. And until next time, thanks to the Jizza for the inspiration.